Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is a talk I actually gave at the uh, SCCT meeting in uh, July in Denver. And the topic was uh, to look at current and what they described as near-term CT software for cardiac imaging. And so what I looked at and said, well, there's really four ways you can look at software. One is you can look at software that's used for scan acquisition. And so there's a lot of new things that have come along over the past year at the scanner. Maybe dual energy might be considered one of them. Uh, some of the faster techniques for dose reduction, but I wasn't going to speak about those. So the things that are related to data acquisition, software changes there, I was not going to address. I was going to address things that related to software used for data post-processing or software used to optimize data analysis and software used for optimizing the availability of data. What I mean by that is, you know, mobile type computing. And I'll speak about the two middle ones the most and then a little bit at the very end. So if we look at it and say, those are the three things I'm going to look at. So let's first look at post-processing of CT data to optimize dose. Uh, a couple really good articles that were published this past year, and most of them focused on some of the dose reduction techniques like ACER, Adaptive Statistical Iterative Reconstruction. And in this article, ACER resulted in noise reduction and significantly impacted image quality. When using low-dose technique, cardiac CTA reconstructions with the 40 or 60% ACER improved image quality and the proportion of interpretable segments compared with fast back projection, which is the typical technique we've used for the past 30 years. So this ACER actually made better images. But what's so important about that is uh, because tube current reduction is related to square of noise reduction, the 17% noise reduction with 40% ACER permitted theoretically a 40% reduction in radiation dose. So I think one of the big things we're looking at is this whole way of reducing dose. And one of the ways is on the post-processing side. You can make better images by post-processing reconstruction. And so you can lower the dose uh, as, a, uh, as a cause of that. So again, very important. And that was one of the things I thought was very important this past year. Another thing in coronary imaging is we talk about Agassiz scoring for calcified plaque. Now there's so much interest in non-calcified plaque, which we see a lot better now because we're able to do these very fast scans. And there have been a lot of ways of doing non-calcified plaque. The problem's been, and articles have shown this, that it's either extremely time-consuming or it's very non-reproducible. And there was this article by Day and the group at Cedars-Sinai in uh, LA that made the point that automated scan-specific threshold level-based quantification of plaque components from coronary CTA allowed rapid accurate measurements of non-calcified plaque volumes and when compared with intravascular ultrasound or IVIS uh, it was very accurate and required minimal user time. And they did make the statement that, again, this is not yet released for, uh, for sale, that following further validation, this automated tool could potentially be applied routinely to provide non-invasive quantitative assessment of coronary plaque with CTA. So that, again, I think will be a very important software development. So I think one of the things I made the point of is saying that uh, software development is focusing on the end result, that is, we're getting deliverable. So here we can get a uh, the equivalent of an Agassiz score for non-calcified plaque, and I think that's going to be important. Now, a product that is available, and I spoke about, was using CAD, computer-assisted uh, 
uh, detection for the analysis of coronary artery disease. And with the goal, of course, being that the computer software help you provide better analysis and interpretation of a cardiac CT. And perhaps the way I like to think about CAT is can it become a good second reader as a helper to you to, you know, really... Um, make certain that you're finding all the correct findings, not overcalling and perhaps not undercalling, and can uh, CAD help provide measurable endpoints to find the quality of your CTA practice. And so we looked at the core analyzer program from Arcadia, we used that at Hopkins, and the product had several claims. Automatically detects suspected significant coronary artery disease, enables utilization of coronary CTA 24-7 in the ER, accelerates patient triage, and results generated with no interaction. And that's just literally off the advertisement. But I think a lot of that advertisement is indeed true because the way we're using it is as a second reader. So how do we do the workflow? Well, the patient scanned as we typically will do, and data reconstructed, and the data is sent to the core analog. Uh, it automatically does the work. You just send it there. There's no user interaction necessary. It takes about five minutes and the results are available and they can be looked at on the Arcadia system or any of your PAC systems. The process is kind of interesting because it does what you would expect it to do, but it, again, this is all without you interacting with it. There's automatic identification and segmentation of the large anatomic structures like the aorta. And then there's automatic detection and identification of the left and right coronary tree ostia. Then there's automatic tracking and segmentation of the coronary tree with extraction of vessel center lines. There's automatic filtering of the extracted tree and labeling of the major coronary arteries, as you can see in this picture. Then the computer does automatic stretching and boundary detection to look at the vessel in cross-section and axially and then it looks for the presence of significant stenosis. And in this uh, technique, what you're saying is anything above 50% is considered significant. Under 50% is not going to be considered significant. Now, in terms of the accuracy of this technique, there's been several articles. The first article by Arnaldi uh, commented that compared with quantitative coronary angiograms, the automatic detection algorithm Evaluated had high accuracy for diagnosing significant coronary artery stenosis at, ca at cardiac CTA. And if used as a second reader, the high negative predictive value may further enhance the confidence of excluding significant stenosis based on a normal or near normal CTA. So they were very positive about it. A recent article just a month or so back by Halpern looked at it in more detail. They found that this core analyzer provided high negative predictive value, the diagnosis of coronary disease in major coronary arteries, as well as first order arterial branches. And they found that false positives were related to anatomic and image quality considerations. What that means is if you had significant calcification at times, particularly with older software versions, it would tend to overcall stenosis. And if you had bad image quality, it would have a hard time interpreting it. So, you know, which is actually a good thing because uh, you need to have good image quality. And so it was in some sense a quality assurance measure. And in the 207 cases that they looked at, uh, core analyzer identified 92% sensitivity and specificity of 70%, negative predictive value of 97%, and positive of 48%. And the core analyzer agreed with the expert interpretation in 75% of cases. The false positives were in the different vessels, as you can see here. But again, calcified vessels, blurred vessels, 
and misidentification of vessels and myocardial bridging. So, for example, uh, we found that if you're doing like a triple rule out, we do the entire chest, you need to reconstruct the cardiac alone or the Arcadia system will not work. Again, uh, if you have anomalous vessels, it often will get lost. But again, uh, those aren't unsuspected issues. And here's just how the normal report looks. You can see I blocked out the names of the patients. When the vessel is normal, it's in green. And you can see three greens on the right for the left main and LAD, CERC, and RCA. And you can see if one of the vessels is abnormal, it shows up in red. And you can see that very nicely here. And if somehow the vessels are not interpretable, poor quality study, motion, whatever the issue is, you can see here the uh, left anterior descending and left main are in green, so they're normal, but the other ones are in kind of blue or purple, and that means they were not valuable. And what it tells you to do is go back and look at it yourself. Sometimes you'll need a different phase in the reconstruction, but again, it gives you very simple answers. It's kind of that red, green, blue type thing. Now, with your workstation, the way it comes over to the workstation, and you can see here is on our Siemens, uh, this is the 3D with InSpace, and you can see very nicely it shows you, in this case, the three vessels from Arcadia were normal, or in this patient, you can see that it shows the presence of a lesion in the left vein. And I'll just show you an example. This was a case, actually, I did two days before the meeting. A uh, 60-year-old female with history of chest pain and a cath with prior less than 50% stenosis. You can see very impressive calcification, the proximal LAD, seeing the axial images and shown on some of the curved planar reconstructions. And when I calculated the stenosis looking very hard, it was just around 50% when you're looking from the curved planars through the cross-sectional. So you can see that the computer kind of agree with that 50% and here was the images that the computer generated. And you can see the computer generates images and sort of brackets the area it feels to be abnormal and sends those to the computer. So you can see very nicely. And again, it doesn't say to you 50, 70, 90, but it's showing you here's where the problem is and you need to look at it carefully. So in this case, in the circumflex, normal, right coronary, there was plaque, but it was normal. So again, this is a helper. Uh, and I think it is indeed very helpful regardless of your level of experience. Again, limitations, poor quality data sets, coronary anomalies, very extensive calcification, though that's less of an issue these days, and occasional unexplained single vessel failure. And how we use it, as I mentioned, uh, selection of studies for interpretation based on interpretation and time available. What that means is if I look at a study on the Arcadia and it shows green, I'll do this, if I only have a few minutes, I'll do that study first because it's probably going to be, it's normal, so it'll be much easier to interpret. I use it on all cases regardless as a second reader. It's quality control because if the images don't reconstruct, you probably didn't get a good quality CT scan, so it's helpful in that regard. And we're looking at perhaps it can be helpful in training fellows and residents, making them more comfortable in being able to interpret. Now that's something that's available. So that's one good thing in software. Now another thing in software is something that is a becoming available. It's something that's going to be of great interest. It's this idea of moving into multi-dimension. So from the second to third dimension, we've done that with CT routinely. We look at motion. 
uh, on gated acquisitions. You have a fourth dimension, but what about the fifth dimension? Recent article just published evolving software platforms with powerful post-processing techniques now allow intuitive user interfaces for exploring unimodal multidimensional data with unique properties that combine uh, different parts of the image, spatial, temporal, or spectral, as in color images or multispectral imaging, and this combination of functional and morphologic uh, information process through a single modality may have relevance for improving the understanding of complex biologic mechanisms involved in routine clinical imaging. Now that's a mouthful, but what it's saying is perhaps there's a lot more information we can get out of a CT scan. 4 and 5D information that may be telling us ways of detecting different disease processes. And this was in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology in July. And here was the actual picture that was in that journal. Now what I can do is I can go and show you very nicely a little bit more detail of that. The technique they were using was something called uh, physiodynamics, which is from Zeosoft. It's a non-rigid registration-based algorithm. Uh, allowing more information, both functional and atomic, to be discovered about the heart. Now the technique, the key to the technique, it uses a deformable registration model which allows one to differentiate noise versus real data in order to minimize the noise and hopefully allow dose reduction, intelligently interpolate additional phases to increase the fidelity of dynamic functional images for greater motion coherence, and enable future functional analytic applications such as surface velocity mapping and multimodality fusion. So again, this is sort of a work in progress, but you can see this idea about rigid versus non-rigid registration. So very nicely shown in that example, and it's this non-rigid registration that will become important. Another thing about this whole process is this noise reduction. And the reason noise reduction becomes important is if you can reduce noise, you can reduce dose. And in their experience in preliminary data, you can reduce dose by about one-third and yet have improved images. And here's just a, a set of images showing you pre and post analysis. Look how much sharper the images are in the post analysis without losing any of the detail. And here's just a chart showing that. Now, this idea about motion coherence is indeed kind of interesting. Um, what it does is it allows the user to generate up to nine additional phases between the original adjacent phase for motion coherence, which means from a data set which has 10 phases, you're going to be able to have 50. And these, the, the cases I'll show you, the sample cases, are all done on a 64-slice scanner, so it's really no special hardware. This technique of physiodynamics does not alter the temporal resolution, which is determined at the scanner, but it improves the fidelity of biologic motion of the cardiac cycle by increasing the frame rate. And here's just a nice example of showing you what happens with this technique. And you can see, look at the details as we go looking at the patient's aortic valve. So you can see you really can target in there and really get a, a very, very impressive look at the aortic valve and the leaflets and the motion involved. So just very, very nicely shown in that regard. And here we're targeting down closer even. Uh, with these multi-phase data sets, you can also potentially track the voxel-to-voxel -voxel displacement. And this may allow you to have kinetic maps or parametric maps 
And so here's just an example of what you potentially can do looking at this type of data set. And you can see this is showing the voxel change and motion. Let me show it to you a second time. Okay. And you can see that even more impressive in this example when we really put everything together. And this is just very impressive. Just take a look. The left ventricle, you're cutting right through it. You're cutting into the ventricle. And then you'll be looking at this voxel flux with that color mapping. So again, I think what we're showing here is the potential of getting much more information from a CT data set. Again, we can look at the coronaries, but look how much more information potentially there could be. And again, uh, what direction this will go, how we can uh, really create information that's important for patient care is really the big challenge. But it's, it's impressive how... Uh, you know, the quality of the data sets are enhanced by this technique. You have noise reduction and then all of this post-processing. So again, I think it's very, very exciting. And this is something that uh, you're definitely going to see coming your way in the near term. And again, the key, of course, is to find the right applications to use this technology. And that should be very exciting. So uh, that was what I wanted to show in terms of really where software is going. That's kind of the next step. Finally, the last thing I mentioned was about mobile solutions, that I was at the meeting in Denver being able to read cardiac CTs or other vascular studies in Baltimore, and that's because of the iPad, and so the new technology is allowing us, and we've talked about this on CTV is us before and Derek and I gave you a series of lectures I won't go into detail but the fact that we can uh, quickly look choose the right patient bring up the data sets interactively deal with the data with no compromise in image quality and that this whole process of mobile computing is really changing uh, how patients are followed and how both radiologists and non-radiologists are looking at data so concluding then I said we would look at three things and we did. I showed you some software that's coming along. Uh, the quantification of calcium or non-calcified plaque is something that's coming along. I showed you how we can use things like Arcadia for doing a second reader for looking for coronary artery stenosis. And I showed you potentially the fifth dimension, the ability to look at data sets in a whole new way. So software was rapidly changing this past year. And I think there's no doubt these new changes will impact all of our practices. And this is indeed very exciting. And we look forward to many more innovations over the coming year. And with that, wish you a great day.